Yes, good morning. Good to see all of you guys here. If you have a copy of God's Word, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Just a, a few verses to read. We'll read verses 1 through 4, and we'll be studying verses 3 and 4 together this morning. As you turn there, just a couple notes. One, we have six baptisms uh, after service, so we're going to take about a 15-minute commercial break after the dismissal of this service this morning. Um, what we're going to do is take chairs, and we're going to go into that cafeteria room together, and uh, it's going to be really cool. We're going to put the walls in. It's going to make it just like a really intimate uh, setting, which will be great. So beware of the transition after service. Uh, we're really excited for Caleb and Benjamin and Michaela and Michael and English, and, and we're just really excited. So, and Emma as well, Emma right here too. So, um, yeah, so we're really excited about that. As we also get into the Word, um, there's just been a lot of health issues since January 1st, 2020. We have a flood. We have about five or six active major health situations going on. Um, I just got a text early this morning uh, about a very significant health challenge within our church family. And so rather than broadcast all of those out there, uh, I told First Service this, and I'll tell you this as well. We're praying for those. I'm going to take, we're just going to take special time before the sermon here to pray for these health situations. If you want to know what's going on, we would be happy to personally talk to you and, and just for the purposes of prayer. And so uh, you can text us or email us after, after service. But uh, Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to read God's word together. First four verses, and then we will pray and then dig into the word. Verse 1, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the words of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's go to prayer and dig in. Father, we are so thankful, God, this morning for how great and how glorious you are. God, we're not great, we're not glorious, we struggle. And Lord, we have brothers and sisters in Christ right now in our church that are under heavy health burdens. And God, you have seen fit to take our church into a, into a season at the beginning of this year that is, in some cases, very, very serious. And Jesus, we pray for every individual affected by health. At this time of year, God, there's a lot of people sick. There's a lot of people struggling. But Lord, we pray specifically for these serious situations, God. We pray that you would heal people's bodies. Jesus, you know that's our heart. We want people to be healed. Lord, if you're willing, we know you have the power if you're willing, would you heal these individuals, their situations? 
Would you comfort their families and their spouses? God, would you do a great work in amongst our church that we would, by faith, believe and pray and labor in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are sick, as if we were sick with them. God, may our hearts pour out to you. We pray, God, your grace. And Lord, we pray your grace upon this gym and upon this opportunity to hear your word. God, may, may not one word fall to the ground. But Lord, may every scripture verse speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, be welcome here. Do a work here. Save people. Change people. For your glory alone, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we approach Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, I got a question to ask you. What, what does it mean for something to be glorious? Like, glorious. What does that mean to you? Start thinking of things in your mind right now that are glorious and awesome. Um, the definition for the word glorious means to have striking beauty that evokes feelings of admiration. So if something's glorious, it grips you in such a way that you admire that thing, you love that thing, and you say, oh, that was glorious. That was good, okay? So you got things going on in your mind of what is glorious in your world, okay? Maybe for some of you, it's snow falling on a Friday night. (laughs) Some of you really enjoyed that. Some of you really wanted to move to Florida. Okay. (laughs) Glorious. Maybe it's flying in an airplane at 35,000 feet and seeing the southeast mountain ranges of Greenland with the sun hitting the mountain ranges just perfectly so you in your little plane seat looking outside your window, you stand in awe of God and you say, that is glorious. And you tell your friends that are on the same missions trip as you, you tell them, I have the window seat. Okay, that might have happened to me. If you're a sports fan, maybe it's the roar of a crowd with a game-winning play, a game-winning shot, a game-winning you know, decision on a field where the whole crowd roars and goes crazy and you sit in the glow of everybody <laughs> clapping their hands and hooping and hollering and you're like, that's glorious. It is. Uh, maybe another situation that could be glorious would be being in the delivery room and hearing a newborn baby give his or her first cry in that room. For those of you who have experienced that, you know that is a glorious moment. As you think about your list of glorious things, did Jesus make the list? I hope he's on top of your list. Because make no doubt about it, Jesus is glorious. Amen? And and the writer of Hebrews is telling us in verse 3 that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. What do you need in 2020? 
You need a bigger picture of the glory of Jesus. You need a real big Jesus to get through the trials and tribulations of life. Can I get a witness? There will be things thrown at you this year that you won't be able to handle. There will be trials and tribulations that will enter into your life that if you don't have a big, glorious Jesus, you might be in trouble. Not only that, we have this thing called the sin nature. And all God's people said, wah, wah. We have the sin nature that's a real bummer because we want things in life that are not glorious. John Calvin called the human heart a factory of idols, and that is the great tragedy of our generation and of every other generation that has gone before us is that we take things that are not glorious and we say, oh, those are so glorious. The trappings of this world and of our hearts, we say, if I just had better clothes, more money, better technology, those glorious things that are not actually glorious because once we get them, we all have the same reaction to them. We say, oh, was that it? I worked so hard for the glory of what I thought would satisfy my heart and now I find out the tragedy that it's not glorious. You know what? If you get to know Jesus a little bit better, the beauty of our Savior is that when you get to know Him, you never say, oh, He's kind of disappointing. Jesus Christ is glorious. And He will satisfy the depths of your heart and mind in ways that nothing else can. So we're going to see in this text, as the writer of Hebrews is telling us, about the glory of Jesus, we're going to see four different aspects of Jesus' glory. And we're going to make application into our lives after we digest it a little bit. Okay, so let's look at the four aspects of Jesus' glory. The first aspect is in verse 3 at the very beginning, and it is uh, the fact that Jesus is a glorious person. Okay, He is the radiance of of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So, the word radiance there, if you're taking notes, the word radiance means to send forth light. Okay, so, so the idea here is that Jesus is not just a reflection of God the Father. Jesus is the radiant, transplendent glory of God. He is the, he is the, the, the person who magnifies or, or highlights the glory of God. That should blow you away all week long. That should just unbelievably blow you away that Jesus in flesh and blood is the, the magnification or the transplendent sending forth of light of the glory of God. The very Shekinah glory of God in Exodus 40 that made Moses' skin glow. That glory. Jesus is not just a reflection of that. He is the, he is the radiating reality of that glory. So um, if you remember what happened to Moses in Exodus 40, he came down from the mountain seeing the entrails of the glory of God. And do you remember what happened to his face? His face started glowing, right? 
It was so bright that people were freaked out. He had to put a little like cover in front of his head. All right, all God's people said, that's weird. Isn't that strange? But that is what the glory of God did to Moses. Jesus is the magnification of that. So if you think about the sun, how many of you love the sun? Love the sun? Okay. All right, so for a couple months out of the year, the sun in Iowa is your friend. If you live south of here, it'd be a little bit more of the calendar years, of the calendar months being your friend, right? But for Iowa, we have to take what we can get. So the sun, it does a lot of things. For really, really pale people like myself, I have the gift of freckles. If my freckles connect, then I'm tan. Some of you are super tan, and you just get really dark and bronze, and, and that's good. But you are receiving the rays of the sun, right? You're just receiving the rays of the sun in a controlled environment. If you got all of the sun, you would be burnt to a crisp, and you would die. 23,000 degrees Fahrenheit coming down on your body, you would not survive. But you see the rays of sun, and the exact, you know, uh, positioning of the earth allows you to receive the sun warmth and life and blessing that's what jesus does for us he makes god the father and his glory come down to us in rays he makes it understandable so that we are not consumed by holiness but we are received by jesus into god's presence and we can enjoy the glory that would once have destroyed us Okay, so Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint, all right, and the idea there in verse 3 means that he is the exact carving, the exact engraving, the exact stamping of God. So basically what it means is Jesus is the stamp of God. If you have coins in your pocket, you could pull out a quarter and you could find the picture of a president. It's stamped on there. Right, that is what Jesus is. He is the stamp of God. So if you look at Jesus and all of his glory, you've seen God. Some of you, you might be wondering this morning, well, what's God really like anyway? I've never seen him. I've never met him. If you want to know God, look at Jesus. So Jesus um, revealed his glory, got the glory of God in Matthew 17 at the transfigurations. This is where they're up on a hill. Jesus begins to be transfigured before Peter, James, and John. And, and that happens in Matthew 17, 1 through 8. You can read about it. Basically what happens is Jesus, his, his skin begins to glow, and his robe becomes white, super white, like supernatural white. And Peter, James, and John get freaked out by the moment. Remember what Peter said? Lord! This is so awesome. That's my translation. This is so awesome. Let's build three houses. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Um, that moment, the apostles never forgot. They never got over that moment. How do I know that? Read John chapter 1. Read 1 John chapter 1. Read 2 Peter chapter 1. This is the apostles years later writing about that experience and they said, we beheld his glory. We saw it. Jesus is a glorious person. 
When you follow Jesus, you are following not just some human being. You are following the glorious God of the universe. And that is one aspect of his glory. The second aspect of his glorious nature is his glorious power. Jesus has glorious power. And you can see this in verse 3 in the second part. It says, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This phrase is very powerful because not only is Jesus picturing God, but he is upholding the universe by the word of his power. The word uphold there means to carry or to keep from falling. So Jesus is upholding, he's carrying the universe He's sustaining it. He's keeping everything together. He's keeping gravity as a really essential reality of the earth. Amen? Aren't you glad? Glad we're not floating around trying to hear my sermon this morning. Jesus is faithful to make gravity continue to happen. Um, Basically, it means that Jesus is keeping all the molecules and all of the orbits and everything going on exactly how they are supposed to be. And he's upholding that by the word of his power, which means Jesus is way stronger than Yoda or baby Yoda. When Yoda and baby Yoda lift stuff with their force power, all right, they get really tired right after that. Baby Yoda gets really cute tired. My girls are like, oh, look at baby Yoda. He just lifted that big mammoth. And he put it over there. Oh, he's so cute. All right, listen. Jesus kicks baby Yoda's butt, okay? Because Jesus doesn't lift a mammoth and carry it 80 feet. Jesus upholds all the universe and all the galaxies and all the stars and all the planets and your body and my body. And he does it all every moment of every day by the word of his power. Amen? He is worthy of your praise because he keeps things going. Colossians 1, uh, 16 and 17, it says, For he, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So we as, as creatures, we are so dependent on steadiness, on con- continuity, and on constancy. We love regular rhythms, right? We love them. All right. Uh, Every mom and dad, you love regular rhythms. You like regular bedtimes. Can I get a witness? All right. If you're an adult, you love regular work hours. You don't like to be bothered with other stuff, extra hours, extra, you know, tweaking of when you come into work and when you go away from work. We like regular things. Now, this is why, all right, the climate change, global warming conversation has gotten so big. I don't care which side you're on. It doesn't really matter. Here's what the heart of that conversation is socially and nationally and and globally. We don't like our seasons being messed with. We want, if you live in Iowa, you want winter, spring, summer, and fall on a regular schedule. You don't like things to be irregular. Okay, let me just tell you a little bit about the glory of Jesus' power. If the moon you see at night, if it was anywhere different than where it was in its orbit right now, if it was a little bit further, a little bit closer, far away, we would have flooding. Flooding 
towards the aspect of every single piece of land mass being covered twice a day. That might inconvenience your life. All right, I don't know how your job is going to go when you're going into work saying there's going to be two worldwide floods today. I don't think Lisa could get very many programs going at the Y. I don't think that could happen. Sorry, Lisa. I don't think your job would go well. Here's the deal. If Jesus doesn't hold the moon right where it's at, all chaos would break out. And that's just one fact of about a thousand facts that we know within our solar system. John MacArthur said this. He said, scientists who discover great and amazing truths are doing nothing but discovering a few of the laws that Jesus Christ designed to control the world. Jesus' glorious power upholds the universe by his strength. And I just want to encourage you for a moment. If Jesus can uphold the universe by the word of his power, he's got you. He's got you. He knows where you're at. He knows how old you are. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what your finances are. And if he can do all of this other stuff, he can take care of your life. Amen? For a society that is struggling with worry, fear, anxiety, and depression, we need to hear the word that Jesus has us in his hands. Aspect number three of the glory of Jesus is that he is a glorious purifier. He's a glorious purifier. And you can see it's at the end of verse 3. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And then he says, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, he made purification for sins. The word purification here means cleansing from the guilt of sin. It means taking something that is dirty and making it clean. So Jesus on the cross, he makes a purification for sins, which means he makes it possible for dirty sinners like you and me to become clean through faith. That is awesome. I don't know if you agree with this, but sin leaves a stain in our souls. You feel that? There's a stain within our souls called sin. We naturally come about with sin. We, we naturally partake in sin. And it leaves a stain on our soul that is very significant. Can't be washed away. It's like dirty teeth. Hopefully you brush your teeth this morning. How many of you are happy with where your teeth are at right now? Okay, level of whiteness. All you white, white teeth people, you're like... All right, all of us coffee drinkers, we struggle with white teeth, okay? And so I brush my teeth. I even have like an electronic toothbrush. I don't know if you guys have those. They are God's gift to humanity. I'm brushing my teeth. I still won't floss. Don't tell my dentist. I won't floss. But I will do my electronic toothbrush because I can get in there, and I'll brush, and I'll brush, and I'll brush, and I'll brush twice a day at least, I have a toothbrush at the well because I like to brush my teeth at the well just in case I have a meeting, all right? And I don't want my teeth looking coffee stained, you know? But no matter how hard I brush, I still drink coffee, people. 
And that's not going to clean my, my teeth where there's no more stain. I can brush and brush and brush, but it won't help. Now, there are helps out there. This is my Christmas present. This is Colgate Optic White. Amen. God's gift, again, to humanity. When I got this for Christmas, I was like, amen. What are you girls trying to tell me? Hey, no, but it's platinum. And if I use this, which I haven't, it says uh, express whiter teeth in three days. Now, I can brush with optic white all day long. Do you think every stain is coming out of my teeth? No way. There's no way. Here's why. Because that's a picture of what we look like trying to clean ourselves up. We try to clean up our sin. We try to make things look better. We try to be better, do better, do good works, be a better person. And, and we're trying to clean our soul like we're trying to brush our teeth and it just doesn't take it away. The beauty of what Jesus did on the cross is he purified forever, once for all, the sins of men and women who believe in him. The stain of sin that you could never take away on your own, Jesus took it away on the cross. This is the greatest news in all the world because we look at the blood that Jesus shed, we look at the, the beauty of his sacrifice, and when we believe in it, Jesus credits his perfect stainless record to our account. That is the greatest news in the world. Jesus is the glorious purifier. So, if you're here this morning trying to purify yourself, you're trying to brush your spiritual teeth, stop it. Stop it. Believe in Christ. He will purify you. He'll save you. He'll forgive you. He's the glorious purifier. Finally, Jesus is not only all those things, but he's finally he has the glorious position. He has the glorious position, and you can see this at the end of verse 3 and into verse 4. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. So when Jesus made purification on the cross and he rose again... Basically, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is he went up into heaven through the resurrection and he came to God the Father's presence and he came into holiness and he sat down. That's a big deal. Because when you get to heaven someday, you and I are going to see angels. Right? Isn't that going to be cool? It's going to be awesome. What are the angels going to be doing? Ministering, moving. All the time. They're always moving all the time. And you can see this in verse 14 of Hebrews 1. Angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve. Angels are always moving. They're never stopping. And so when you get into heaven, you're going to see angels serving all over the place. But where are you going to see Jesus? Running around like a nervous event planner? Jesus is going to be sitting down. Amen? And we're going to come and bow down before him and we're going to say, I know you. I know who you are. I get to go into heaven because of you. Jesus, when he made purification, he sat down and the word there means to settle down into a chair. 
So when you got done snow blowing or shoveling your driveway on Friday or Saturday morning, I'm sure you enjoyed that very much. But what did you enjoy more? Coming inside and sitting down, saying, I did that. I moved snow. I moved frozen rain. Jesus, when he comes to heaven, he comes and he sits down and he hears from his father, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus took his seat next to the majestic glory of God. And then he gets a name that is higher than the angels. He gets a name that's superior to the angels. So we don't even know what that name is. The scholars don't know what that name is. It could be Jesus. We could be calling Jesus Jesus in heaven, which would be fine. But there is a name given to Jesus that is superior to the angels, and everybody knows it. And he gets this name because he is superior to angels. He's superior to us, and he is sitting down in his glorious position because he's accomplished all of the work of salvation. Warren Wearsby describes Jesus' glorious position this way. He said, Socrates taught for 40 years. Plato for 50, Aristotle for 40. Jesus taught for only three. Yet the influence of Christ's three-year ministry infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of the greatest philosophers of antiquity. Jesus painted no pictures. Yet Michelangelo and da Vinci received their inspiration from him. Jesus wrote no poetry. Yet scores of the world's greatest poets have been inspired by him. Jesus composed no music. Yet Handel and Beethoven and Bach reached their perfection as they composed his praise. Every sphere of human greatness has been enriched by this humble carpenter from Nazareth. And I would say this carpenter, this humble Jesus is now the glorious God-man. Sitting in heaven, waiting for you and me, and he has taken his glorious position, and it is our highest praise to give him glory. Do you recognize the glorious position of Jesus this morning in your life? He is in a position. When you die, you will see him in his position. You will see him for who he is. And right now, what gives us comfort in our trials and what gives us comfort as we walk with people who have cancer, who have sickness, and we ourselves struggle with, with all these different kinds of sins, what gives us comfort is that Jesus is on his throne and he will receive all who believe in him. There'll be a moment when you look in his eyes and you'll see his love for you. Praise God for that hope. Praise God that we don't have a Savior who can't get the job done. He's gotten the job done. He's on his throne and he's waiting. So as we close our time together, I want you to think about this glorious person, Jesus. I want you to think about his amazing power his purification for sin, and then his position. 
Let's all stand up together. Let's close our time in a word of prayer. And let's worship and respond to God. Father, we love you. We worship you. Thank you for sending Jesus to come down to be the one who could purify us from our sins. Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and to rise again so that he could take his throne. Lord, we have lots of hurts, we have lots of sins, we have lots of things going on in our lives this morning. We say this morning, we need you. Lord, I pray that you would minister right now to every Christian, that you would encourage them to look to Jesus this morning. Lord, help believers find their hope and their strength in seeing the God-man glorious on his throne. Lord, help us to know that you've got it all covered, that you're watching over every tragedy, every sorrow, every joy, every victory. God, may you show us that we can trust you. Lord, your timing is best. Your way is perfect. We can trust you. Lord, be with everybody here who may not know you, Jesus. Maybe they've never been saved. Maybe they've just walked into this gym alone, lost, hurting. Lord, may you show Jesus to people for the very first time. May this be the morning of introduction of sinners to Jesus. Lord, may we respond right now in song. May we sing. May we pray. May we worship. May we surrender. May you receive all the glory in Jesus' name.